Welcome to What's Next, the podcast where we talk to global leaders in hospitality and learn what's happening now and what's next for tomorrow. I'm your host, Tarek Mallet, founder and CEO at Moby, the digital partner of hospitality. In this episode, I chat with Casper Ettelson, co-founder of Fishbowl, on a mission to disrupt the fast food industry by creating a brand that combines healthy, everyday meals with sustainable practices, Fishbowl is on its 25th location with more to come. Listen on to hear how Fishbowl has taken a unique approach to ghost kitchens, allowing them to enter into new markets with lower upfront risk. Beyond its unique menu, we discuss how Casper and his team are connecting with their customers through standout branding and personal passions like Fishbowl Radio. Casper, thank you for joining us on this episode today and looking forward to hearing more about Fishbowl and the brand's journey. As one of three founders, I'd love to start with the story of how you, Nick and Nathan met, how the idea of Fishbowl was born and your origin story with that first store back in 2016. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So yeah, I mean, look, it all happened pretty quickly. So back in 2016, myself and my two partners, Nathan and Nick, started Fishbowl. So, but I mean, like all things, it starts pretty small, just starts with an idea and and for what was us, a tiny little 30 square meter store in, in the heart of Bondi. Never would we have really guessed that it could grow to what it has today. The idea really comes from, I guess, wanting to create food that we could and wanted to eat on a daily basis, not just food that might, you know, be popular among other people, but just food that would really support our own health focused lifestyles of just being able to just enjoy food and just every day. I guess a big driver behind that would be, you know, sushi was just something that we loved. Sushi is also, it's everywhere. You know, you name one high street in any big city around the world that doesn't have sushi on it. As a cuisine, the flavors of sushi that are just, I mean, intrinsically simple are proven. And they're something that people love and we truly love. But it's also something that you really typically only find in, you know, the rice and seaweed roll. So we we thought, hey, let's try and give that to people in, in a salad and try and create a salad that was not just salad light and fresh, but also just like delicious and wholesome and kind of like mouth-watering food that you just can't stop thinking about. So I think that's where it all started from. You know, we just start, we had this tiny little shop that you could barely fit four people in. And then from there, you know, it, it just exploded in Bondi. We just, we were fortunate enough to strike a chord with, with the local Bondi community. Next thing you know, we had two and two became three and so on. I understand Nick and Nathan were university students and how do you wake up one day and say, right, we're going to open up an amazing um, brand such as Fishbowl and how did you meet up with Nick them? and Nathan, they're, so they're two years older than me. I'm the younger one. And so they went to school with my older brother. So they're like the best of friends throughout school. I believe for years they were always excited to do something like this, but Nathan particularly spent a lot of time overseas and he was, he's just, mind goes like that. I mean, he was wanting to come up with something or he's just an ideas man and he's very driven and passionate so over time he sort of developed i guess the foundations for the concept of fishbowl from i guess ideas that he'd seen around the world and he took a little bit from here and a little bit from there and sort of innovated those ideas of what i guess a salad bar could be and then brought them together into fishbowl from there nick came on board with a marketing centric mind and at the time did all the finance too but then i came on board because i had a lot of like experience in hospitality and I did like events and bars and things like that. So I came on board to sort of manage the the operations. But at that time, like you don't even consider operations. You just think about managing a restaurant, right? Which becomes operations once you have a few venues. So that's really, I guess, how it came about and how the, the team naturally formed. 
How has the concept changed since that first location? Did you go into a fishbowl store now and it feels like you've got everything right? Was it like that at the start? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's funny because my perspective is often really operational. So this particular question is heavily related to, I guess, the kind of things that I think about. In the beginning, it was very old school. There was no technology involved. Like we had, we used Square, which at the time was quite a, a sexy point of sale system. And it was ahead of the pack in terms of innovation and design. Customers would walk into the store and the whole interaction was verbal. There was no point of sale where you put an order into a system. And then we worked off of, say, like an ordering ticket. Everything worked verbally. And then the staff would communicate to each other down the assembly line what the customer wanted. So it was what we call the, the linear system of ordering, where you'd walk in, you'd say, I want this base, and then you'd move on to the next staff member who would ask you what protein you would want, and then what veg you would want, and so on. Honestly, it, it worked really, really well for one shop. But that's because you had the three of us in there and like a really strong team of just excited, passionate, driven people that were just having the time of their lives. So like the synergies that we had as a team just worked to create something special, which helped to create Fishbowl. But once you grow, that's quite a hard system to scale. You know, one person says the wrong thing to a customer. So we had to create, I guess, more of a, a scalable system of, of ordering and running the restaurant where people, you know, walk into the store, see the beautiful food on display, but order with, you know, an expert at the point of sale, at which point the tickets go into the kitchen in a multitude of different ways for us to be making orders. And that really just explains the classic way of ordering that most people would know, which is like, you know, you walk to the till and you place an order. From there, we worked on, you know, we didn't do delivery at the time. So now we have Uber Eats, Deliveroo, DoorDash, and then we have online orders. So we do like, you know, skip the queue, place your order and schedule a pickup time. So these are all things that we picked up along the way that are really shaping, I guess, the fishbowl of the future. You touched on that you're starting to get to a position now where you've got a pretty good system in place. You you know what you're doing. You have 25 brick and mortar locations and I understand you've embarked on a, a ghost kitchen journey. Ghost kitchens are becoming an increasingly popular strategy in hospitality right now. Can you tell us more about your ghost kitchen strategy, how you're thinking about building virtual brands, new brands in the business? I could probably take you on the journey of our experience in the first ghost kitchen we ever did. The, the first point is that they just make entering a new market incredibly easy. In our instance, the first one we did was with Deliveroo. They gave us a phone call one day and just said, hey, we're opening a site in Melbourne. It's opening in a week. Can you guys be there? So we basically just went, yep, no worries. So we had a week to get staff, stock, everything that was Fishbowl Sydney to Melbourne. And I guess we just liked those little challenges. We're like, yeah, let's give it a go. What could go wrong? But it, it worked. We had a week. So I flew up there and we, you know, we hired a couple of chefs because everything we do runs from a central kitchen. So we do need the, the first restaurant to be the home base where the food distributes from. So we had the chefs, the staff. And I mean, seven days later, we had Fishbowl in Melbourne. So the ghost kitchens, what they really allow you to do is they take away the challenge of finding a good site. You've got the site, you've got the kitchen, you just need to get your staff and food there and the IP and the, you know, the, the knowledge. So it, it allowed us to really step foot into Melbourne without really knowing Melbourne the way we know Sydney, like we know Sydney through and through. So it's easy for us to make those decisions on where to go. But Melbourne, that was new for us, but it, so it allowed us to get there, meet staff, build a team get to know the area and so on. And then from there, we were able to actually use it as our, our commissary kitchen. 
and take a site in, in, you know, in first brick and mortar stores in the Docklands, in the CBD and so on. Now we've got four stores. And that's, for me, is the benefit is exploring the new market. But then if you fast forward to two months ago, we actually shut down our two ghost sites in Melbourne because we opened locations right around the door from them. So it gets us into an emerging market. So it helps us build like a loyal customer base, which is a delivery customer base. So when we do open a shop close by, we know that it's going to work and we can divert those customers, those customers that are already eating fishbowl on a daily basis and bring them into store. But there is a point in which we go, okay, it's time to leave the ghost kitchen and then build it a real company or a real restaurant culture in that city where having a ghost kitchen doesn't really lend too well to, to continuing that because it is, I mean, at the end of the day, you're sharing a kitchen with other restaurants. and There is a point in time where you outgrow that and you need to step into your own shoes and staff appreciate sort of being in their own restaurant too. It sounds like a powerful strategy when you're going into the new states or, or new markets. How does that play out with new brands? Is there a strategy where at some point you might look at testing new brands other than Fishbowl with potentially a ghost kitchen being the first site to get that market sentiment? I guess one of the ways we've shifted in ghost kitchens as well is I mentioned a little earlier that we do everything from like a central distribution kitchen. Say in Sydney, all of our restaurants are serviced from one site, one big central kitchen facility that's just, you know, the standards in place just to make, it's like a an operation, you know, and we distribute from there. So that actually becomes a ghost kitchen for us too, but a ghost kitchen, which is purpose built for not just the function of a ghost kitchen doing deliveries out of and pick up, but also to servicing the, the restaurants. One of the strategies that we really have is to actually enter a market with our own ghost kitchen, which is the central kitchen, set that up as delivery, because then you have the, the, the I guess, the added revenue stream of orders coming into what is typically just a cost structure just a cost center and then growing like that, having a ghost kitchen that can service up to you know six, seven restaurants before you need to move on and, and find a bigger one. So that would probably be a big strategy shift in how we would enter those new markets would be to do it ourselves. And a big reason why we might've done one in like a pre-existing ghost kitchen is, I mean, everything we've done at Fishbowl has been organic growth. The first shop funded the second shop and then the first two shops funded the third. So we've always grown as fast as we could, but only as fast as our cash flow could get us. And we are getting to that point where we're going, you know, let's enter these markets with rather than focusing on just, you know, the next two shops, but focusing on the next 10 shops. So like we're, we're actually about to enter Queensland, looking at going into Queensland uh, around March next year. And we're not going to be doing that in an existing ghost kitchen. We're taking a site, like a B restaurant site, doing a fishbowl restaurant, as well as our central kitchen it can probably get us 10 shops. Amazing. Your food ethos, I just wanted to touch on that a bit, which talks about made from scratch, traceability and transparency, sustainability. Your fishbowl gets a lot of buzz in the media, not only because your food is naturally fantastic, you've really been able to embody sustainable practices in your business model. Can you take us on a little bit of that journey around how you think about sustainability within the business? I mean, yeah, absolutely. I guess for us, it always felt natural just being of that generation where it was just something we sort of lived and breathed and something we're surrounded by, you know, whether it's dinner table with friends or family, just conversations around just being, I guess, a bit more sustainable or mindful. It's probably a good way to put it is, is just being mindful of what we're doing. That was just a big part of our lives. So naturally starting a business, it just, it wasn't really like a choice to, to be or to not be at that kind of company. It was just the way it should be. It's like a lot of things we do. We're just really bringing our own passions and interests into the business. And by growing, it gives us, so too grows our ability to help 
influence a community of people and the community being our customer base. So over time, we developed this like amazing power to to make a change where we were, whether it be in the lives of the people working at Fishbowl and hopefully instill those values of sustainability and transparency and so on. In doing it in them, we do it in the customers too. So that's been like a really, really exciting part of doing Fishbowl is having this like, in a way, we've got this noble cause to be able to change an industry, which is typically as bad as it gets when it comes to sustainability and products that we're using, single-use packaging and whatnot. So, I mean, fast food has always been an industry that probably needs a shakeup. There's still a huge challenges for us. I, I talked about wanting to influence our tech providers. The same goes for, say, the people that are actually manufacturing our packaging. Like, it's not like we can just snap our fingers and have all these packages, these sort of like containers available in the materials that we want. This is all things that we never really expected. We just thought we'd be able to just be 100% compostable straight away. But it, it actually takes a lot of like design and innovation and development with our, the guys that are manufacturing this to provide us packaging that's suits us that is fully compostable and then that our waste providers can actually receive this packaging and do the right things with it. It's an uphill battle, but it's like a, something that's really exciting to fight and to try and change. It's something that we're continually working on. I like to think that we're the head of the pack, but we have a long way to go and we're super excited about continually working on that. Touching on that topic of technology and digital engagement and using Square back in 2016 would have been pretty cutting edge in in the Australian market. What do you think has been the biggest areas of change at Fishbowl when it comes to engaging with your customers and how do you use that technology to ensure you're maintaining that reputation, building brand awareness with both existing and new customers? I suppose technologies are like a lot of the things that we do, but we just like to get excited about things. And then that excitement just turns into us driving that technology, but also the ideas that maybe grow the technology alongside us. Square has always been just this exciting way to take an order. We've always considered the current systems out there to be a little bit clunky and old school. Like I actually always describe Square as like the apple of the point of sale world. And our staff are quite young too. So it makes it quite user-friendly using something like Square and it's very familiar. Overall, technology for us is so important. We want to not only have access to the best technologies out there to help improve the customer experience in the product, but also we like to really play a part in uh, innovating and helping those technologies to grow as well with us. And I think by the nature of just being a, a concept which isn't really similar to much, like the way we do things, because we're not like food professionals at Fishbowl, like Nick, neither Nick Nathan or I were chefs or we, so we just naturally have an unorthodox way of doing things which is designed to be the way that works for us rather than the way things were and have been. So naturally when we approach say innovative technologies, like for example, mobile or the online ordering system that we use, we just come at it from a different angle and we're often trying to shape these tech providers to suit our needs. And the hope is that those needs are also appreciated by other businesses too. So, I mean, for us, it's a chance to change the way we operate, but we really do like to be involved with anyone that's offering us a service because we feel like we can help each other out. Technology has obviously helped you scale as a business. It's clearly something you're passionate about. How do you use the data that you derive from that technology to drive decisions? But more interestingly, where, where do you see technology heading in the future? Because we started to see this acceleration of technology and digital adoption through COVID. 
What do you mm. think the next sort of 12, 24, 36 months look like for Fishbowl from a technology perspective? And what's some of that out there stuff that you're sort of thinking about, but wondering whether it'll actually come to fruition? Well, I think the biggest thing that we all experienced was the, the, the need to place an order without physical contact, whether it be getting food delivered to your door at home or not wanting to spend too much time in a store with the potential of coming into contact with other people. So doing a scheduled order and just knowing your food's ready for you. So, but I mean, before, even before COVID, we were very aware that people just like to do things in their own ways. So technology allows us to, I guess, cater for everybody's needs. I mean, how they like to, I guess, to interact with Fishbowl. And that's where forcing these tech, I say forcing because we kind of do have to force them to like bend the way the technology works to suit us because we have to make sure that they're willing to offer that service in a way which not only suits the customer, but then works into inside internally into the operation without it making things difficult for staff because what's good for the customers has to be good for the staff i mean yeah that's just crucial you know and at the end of the day we need to use that information and data to just make our lives easier and if technology is making our lives difficult it's not really doing what it's supposed to do right I'd love to pick up on a comment you made earlier about yourself and none of the founders having that culinary background or professional qualifications in the food industry. And you touched on the flavors of sushi. Fishbowl is renowned for your made-to-order salads with that Japanese twist. How do you come up with those recipes? So in the very, very beginning, we definitely like, we just spend a lot of time in a room together, just going at it. Like if, to, to put it simply, like if you put the three of us in a room, we could talk about like, improving the roasted sesame dressing for hours we just love food ourselves so we're not we might not be chefs we just all come from a background where food's just been a big part of our lives for me it might have been actually working a little bit just in the industry but also just like enjoying growing up and just cooking with the family and and the same goes for both nick and nathan so i guess just that like love of food just translates into us just approaching things in that unique way do you but, think that's part of the advantage in the sense that you don't have that professional background and you just make good, honest, wholesome food that relates to everybody? hundred percent. I mean, that's something we talk about is just knowing that. And we, we also want to come into new decisions or new ventures with that mindset. Now we have experience, right? Like we are professionals in terms of like we know how to run a restaurant. We understand how chefs operate. Times have changed, but we still want to come into those decisions or those like brainstorming sessions with that fresh perspective of just like, is that the way something should be done? Can it be done differently? And the way we still do that is we like fishbowl is very flat in terms of how we come up with ideas and any change goes live. Like the first thing we do is we, you know, put out a feeler to all of our managers, staff, kitchen hands, everyone just to go, what did you guys think about it? What worked, what didn't. And then from those suggestions, which are, I mean, we always call the staff, like we have, people that aren't specially trained in preparing food, creating special food. So we then take that, those ideas, and then we just, I guess, sit in a room and have a discussion about it and what comes out the other end. It tends to be a decision which works for us. And, and I, I'd also think that maybe, you know, the three of us have very different strengths and we've got an appreciation for each other's strengths, so which creates, I guess, a well-rounded end decision where if it has to satisfy all three of us, and if it does that, it's considering everyone's perspective and hopefully a, a wide range of people's ideas of what's good. 
certainly something that comes through from the ethos of the fishbowl brand and certainly in hospitality there's a number of challenges around that there's a number of brands that start out with good intentions but to your point once you actually start getting into the nuts and bolts of it the journey's long and hard so amazing that you're mm. pushing forward with that and wanting to be seen as a market leader in that space i suppose the other thing to mention in that realm i mean you used all the top buzzwords the sustainability the traceability i mean provenance is a big one for us as well like we want to know where our food's coming from like we also find that quite exciting is that like food tells a story and the story is not just the location of the food it's also the guy that might be growing the radishes so we often find ourselves like out at the farms meeting the farmers and things like that and then trying to take that message and communicate it to our staff and then hero the, these people that are actually just really putting their own lives and love and soul into into that thing that they've dedicated themselves towards so provenance is something that we really you know really want to continue to drive down as well and just make our supply chain something that's quite transparent and visible to people to see does your passion of technology have a role to play in that as well with the, the likes of blockchain when you're looking at Providence? We know it's coming, but we're still a reasonably like small, small play when it comes to like the world of blockchain and being able to access those technologies. I would love to, you know, delve into that one day, you know, and actually create like a, like a live stream of what happens to the product and where it's coming from so people can actually track the blockchain. That would be really cool. There's no doubt that the, the blockchain and the crypto space is going to affect the way we do things in the future. It's just, I, we haven't really tapped into that just yet. That's what's so exciting about the, the future is all of these opportunities and not only producing a quality product, you've really been able to create a, a brand experience through your unique branding and other efforts such as things along the lines of created music through Fishbowl Radio. Use vivid colours and design in your fit outs. I've never seen fluoro pink look so good. What are some of the biggest opportunities Fishbowl has to, to capitalise on it when it comes to staying unique and on trend? It's just about honestly taking the things that you love and going, hey guys, here are those things. And then hopefully people just pick them up and run with them. But if you do if you do it that way, I guess there's a level of like authenticity to it. Fortunately, we have such a wide variety of interests just in, I guess, the three of us, but in also in like our interests don't just stop with us. You know, once the business gets bigger, we then take all the interests of our team and that becomes a part of the culture too. So, I mean, for us, there's been, you know, music design, I surf, the boys do a lot of running, anything ocean really for me. All of those things just become like constant passion projects that we get to explore through Fishbowl. So Nick in particular just loves music. And so maybe until about two years ago, he actually would do all the music playlists and he would collaborate with local DJs or artists to create sets of music to play in the stores, but also being able to do things like events and like community events. So it's just like an avenue to explore those passions, but also to give Fishbowl character too. Because it's I don't think it's really enough to just be a business offering just the product or a service. You've also just got to surround it with a lifestyle and create, I guess, a community of people that maybe share one, two, three, or all of those interests. And then, like I said, as we grow, it becomes this thing where, you know, we might have someone who's interested in, for example, we've got two of our like senior area managers that are from USA. They're big on ice hockey. I mean, like a name in Australian that's done ice hockey. So we're currently planning like a live ice hockey game with like referees, all the gear, all the padding. I and mean, it's going to be one of them on each team. And we're going to play like a crazy game of ice hockey, which none of us have ever done before. But that's just the fun is just being able to bring all these people together and play out some fun. 
What's next for Fishbowl? <laughs> a lot. I mean, that's a, it's a tough question to ask, isn't it? So where are we entering next? Queensland's probably the next big thing on our cards. Currently, we're in New South Wales and Victoria. We've got two sites locked in early next year in Queensland, so around the Gold Coast and in, in Brisbane. I mean, that's really exciting for us because that's, again, an opportunity to go to a new city and introduce Fishbowl to people that have never experienced it before. Which is, for me, is the most fun. The point in which you go, hey, here's a fishbowl to someone that's never heard or, or tasted it before and you get to have that same interaction or experience with someone. That's the most exciting part about fishbowl for me. Um, so, I mean, Queensland's a huge target on the cards for us. And probably menu expansion too. Like, I mean, the name says it all. Like, we're called fishbowl, but that was that was what we started out doing, you know, just sort of focusing on sashimi salads. But that changed very quickly. And now I believe we actually sell more chicken than we do fish. So we're trying to, I guess, create a menu which is much more rounded and caters for not just people that eat seafood or chicken or people that eat, you know, vegan food. So we have a huge variety of vegan options. Um, so we're vegan, vegetarian, like we've literally just launched a bowl called the shrimami bowl, which features like a mushroom protein, which sort of is very similar to beef. And it's like a beef brisket bowl made with mushroom. So just diving into Asian cuisine and just, trying to, I guess, explore new ideas, new flavours and just add levels of, we like to keep it simple, but still adding, layering on a few complexities to the food that we're offering. So that's something that, that's hopefully as exciting to the customers as, as it is to us. Casper, thank you. Fishbowls recently won two QSR Media Awards, Best New Concept and Squad of the Year. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I think that's the, one of the first times we've won an award like that. So it's, yeah, it's been great. It's huge credit to what you and the team have built. And look, this has been a, a great conversation. Thank you for your time, your insights, and for sharing Fishbowl's amazing journey with us today. It's clear that there's a huge amount of passion there and you're having a huge amount of fun while you're doing it. Absolutely. For more episodes and great conversations with industry leaders, head to mobihq.com.